friends, welcome back to another episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, <laughs> to find out what gives them their dream magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, dressed as just a sad hipster Freddy Krueger, my children, joined as always by my questioning everything in his life, and with the serial killer inside and co-host, Alex what? Dandino. More like questioning co-hosting this podcast with a guy who's willing to dress up are you kidding me if you can see this on youtube in the skype is this not sexy <sighs> look at those sexy yeah for those of you that aren't looking i just look like a really svelte uh healthily bearded freddy krueger pre-burns yes. nothing better nothing better than horizontal stripes on the bod that's for sure <laughs> all right that's it i can't wear the hat it doesn't fit here we go Guys, you know what's up. Sojourn through the horrors of A Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th this month. We start today uh, back on Elm Street. This is Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Woo! Alex, this is often, uh, in my opinion, unfairly decided as the worst Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Uh, I totally secretly agree. have always really liked Well, not secretly. I always say it out loud. I say it loud. I say it proud. Uh, what are your take? What is your take on this Freddy's Revenge? Do you hate this movie? Where do you come in? What about it works for you if you like it? I love this movie, man. I think it's insane. <laughs> right? Like, it's so much fun, and it is unfairly maligned. Like, it's... First off, what I love is that it's literally the mo the next logical step in the Freddy Krueger oeuvre. Like, Freddy Krueger realizes <laughs> that he can't... like. What I love is like Freddy Krueger is changing his M.O. Like, and this is something that I think is really important is like going into the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, the Friday the 13th movies, and ostensibly also the Halloween movies. Like, Freddy Krueger's the only one who changes his M.O. pretty much every time. Like, the other two are right. just sort of mindlessly walking around stabbing people because they don't have to. Like, what they're doing works. Freddy's the only one who has to like change <laughs> his shit up because people are figuring out his, uh, how he runs, how he runs his show. Like well, I have such not only a good that, time. As it gets deeper, we have to keep questioning what Freddy even is. Right. And right? I, I, this is like, <laughs> this is the fun of like Freddy Krueger as a character. And this is the fun of him like interacting because this is the movie where he, like the first one, he really is just like an overall boogeyman. This is the first one. He really right. starts like talking to characters and having like really like, really like pretty like, <laughs> I hate to put it this way tender moments with these characters where oh. he's like getting into their psyche. And I, again, like, is that I, what you kids call it these days? It's so much, it's so much fun. Like, I don't understand people's hatred for this. Like there is stuff in there are like visual gags in this movie that I think last in my brain forever. Like I adore it. Yeah. I, but this is the thing, right? Is my friend cloud who you'll hear later. He did four of these movies with me. He was saying, this is the one that doesn't fit. It doesn't play like the rest of them. To me, that's a benefit, right? Because my, my value in sequels is give me enough of what I like, which they did in this, right? It's Freddy right. Krueger hunting. But add something new to the myth. Because this is what I told you, right? When you're do We're going to do every Friday the 13th, and I've already done a bunch of them. Right. At a certain point, you can't just say, wow, another machete kill. Right. right, like you have to find. Some, you have to find. So the when thing. they add a new wrinkle in the world, the mythology, how the supernatural works, I think this one's fascinating because 
First off, it's like, why is there a desert in Illinois? Never mind. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. There is some like. Right. But what is fascinating to me is so Fred Krueger achieved his mission seemingly of getting revenge on the parents who killed him. This movie takes a sharp turn away from that version of Fred Krueger into, well, now I exist in this new entity. Right. I want to get back to what's fun. And this gets to something I've always thought about, Freddie, is the killing in the dream cannot be satisfying to a serial killer whose M.O. was physical torture and mutilation, right? Right. This is Freddie saying, fuck this dream shit. I want to get back into the real world. I think that's a fascinating thing to look at with this. Character. Again, I think it's, yeah, it's like the whole point. Like it's interesting. Like, yeah. I understand cloud's point of it. Not fitting. Sure. But I also agree with you. I, it's the benefit of the entire movie is that while it doesn't fit, like that's the point of sequels. Like people yeah. often miss the point, like sequels to me. And I've, I don't know if I've ever talked about this in the show. I probably have. Cause we've talked about sequels before, but Sequels to me are not to repeat the success of the first one. To me, sequels right. function as like, it's not about repeating success. Perhaps from like a monetary standpoint, it is. Sure. sure. But from a se- from like a writing and from a f- creating standpoint, I think sequels are meant to, sequels are not meant to repeat success. They're meant to progress the story. They're meant to tell, right. like if you have enough bones about you to do a sequel to a movie, especially like a movie like Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street, which totally has the legs for a sequel. Why would you not experiment with not just like the characters? Like, yes, we all know kids are going to get murdered in their dreams. Got it. Cool. Whatever. Why would you not experiment, though, with the main... Like, what you get out of the first Nightmare on Elm Street is Nancy is not the main character. Fucking Freddy is. That's the important thing to remember. So why would you not experiment and give your character new life in another way? It's like... You're not going to do like, like you think about like, I think about the movie, like altered states, altered states. You'd never need a sequel to because you, you understand what's going to happen. Like there's nothing about altered states that needs We've to be done altered it already. We've altered the state, <laughs> but nightmare on Elm street. Yeah. Everyone has different kinds of nightmares. Everybody's a different person. Freddie, Freddie is right. also Freddie is while he might be a vengeful ghost murderer. He also is a living, breathing character. He's been a human before. He wants to feel that again. Right. You're right. So what I would say is that Nightmare One, I do kind of see Nancy as our lead more than Freddy, right? This one feels like a two hander, right? This is the classic horror motif of fear of self, right? Because this one has two really interesting divergences to me is I don't think we actually see anyone die in a dream in this movie. No, everyone dies in real life. I think. Right. So that's very different, even though guided by Freddy's hand. They die in the real world. Secondly, what I think is funny is that this movie doesn't get into the guy who is trying to stay awake. Like most Freddy movies, it's like you see these strung out kids like Nancy in part one. Like, I can't sleep. That's where he is. Jesse constantly goes to bed every night. And then they throw in one scene about 45 minutes in where he's like, here's uh, some sleeping pills. Yeah, he's like chowing down on. He's like chowing down on no Yeah. There's that one scene. Yeah, that's like one scene. And then they go right back to, well, I guess he's going to fall asleep again. He even goes to that guy's house, right? He's like, hey, watch me while I sleep. So Jesse is the one teen from the series who does not seem to, while he's afraid of the dreams and what they might mean, he doesn't seem to be tremendously afraid of sleeping and allowing the dreams to access him. Right. I mean, I think Which is a fun extra thing to play with. Right. I mean, this is like the thing I like the most about this movie is 
the title is so true. It's Freddy's revenge. Well, what would Freddy need revenge yeah. on? He's got his revenge. He killed all those kids on Elm Street. Well, Freddy's revenge was not to kill all the kids on Elm Street. Freddy's revenge is to get back into the real world and start some shit. Like, that's what it's yeah. all about. Like, this isn't about... Well, the scene that really stuck with me, right, in that regard, this is the one time I can remember in these movies, and I've watched them so many times now, it's all kind of a blur. This is the first one where we see Freddy actually go after another child. Yeah, totally. Oh, wow, you're right. In wow. Jesse's body, he creeps into that room of his little sister, and it's fucking horrifying. Yeah. Because they actually do Freddy cam, right? Which is start in the boiler room, walk up the stairs, and then hover over, and we hear Jesse, right. or we hear Freddy's voice, right? Sweet little girl. And then we cut to Jesse standing over his sister with the blades. Yeah. So this is Freddy again. I know because we'll have to get to the the gay subtext, obviously. But this is one of those moments where you see Freddy. This is his mission, right? right? He'll do the rest of this to spread fear and get more power. He wants to come back so he can find that kid. Right. Right. That's what Freddy's all about. Well, yeah, I mean, there's just uh, again, it's about it's about what sequels are supposed to do. Like sequels are supposed to progress the story forward. So why wouldn't this be what, why wouldn't this be Freddie's next like alternative? Like, Oh, I didn't get all these kids I wanted in the dream. So the next step I should have is like, again, Freddie learning. He has other powers, which is to literally like transubstantiate himself into human form through another human. Like that to me is like, that to me is true horror. Like that's the great stuff. And that's the stuff that really scares me. Like I'm always someone who like, I love, like it's body horror. I like body horror movies because they scare the shit out of me. And this is no different. Like as entertaining and eighties as those effects are, like you have to really consider the fear you would have of literally like gloved blades, gl- like blades shooting out of your fingers and you having no control over it. Like that's, that's some yeah. true fucking terror right there. And this is the other one too, where we see Fre- Freddie later in the movie have the knives without the glove. They're yeah, just growing out of his fingers. Right? That's pretty cool. Like, there's this a- is how I look at... Yeah. What I would say about Nightmare 2 is this is the Nightmare werewolf movie, right? This yeah, movie totally. plays as a werewolf movie. Absolutely. Which is... the And that's the, the thing I like is what if his dreams about Freddy are not... And obviously, I know what everyone else says Freddy represents in this movie. I get it. But let's go down another path for a minute, right? Yeah. What if the Freddy in this movie are his actual inner thoughts, right? The movie kind of starts with this bullied white kid who nowadays we'd be like, oh shit, put him on active shooter watch, right? I know, right? That's how this kid starts the movie. Right. What if his inner thought is, you know what? Fuck that gym teacher. Fuck that guy who bullies me all the time. Uh, you know, so there's this extra level of what if right. well, he just has heard the story of Freddie because he moved into the house and Freddy isn't real, right? He is actually having the mental breakdown. Because one of the things I love is when nightmare movies, the the actions parallel the real world enough to where people can't believe that this isn't just a crazy teenager. Right. Well, I think that's the other thing, too, that I like about this movie is um, Jesse's, uh, Jesse's antagonists in this movie get, the, get, their, get a comeuppance, which is interesting because that's not in theme necessarily with how these movies are supposed to go. So really the question starts boiling down to like, is Jesse manifesting Freddy Krueger simply because he's dreaming or is he manifesting because Freddy knows that he can manipulate Jesse because Jesse is that Columbine kid, you know, like 
Because right, well, I'm, this gets to the fun part of Freddy, which is instead of him creating the dreams, what if through Jesse, right, right. he is in his dreams and says, "Oh, this kid's already halfway right. there." Well, that's right? that's exactly so what it is. He's just subtly guiding Jesse to these acts that he may have committed anyways. Right. Because the two main kills that I think of is Freddy Jesse committing. Because what the funny thing is, this actually has the highest uh, Freddy body count except for Freddy versus Jason. Right. Which is obviously just an absurdity. But this one has 12 kills, right? The first one had three, maybe four. Well, like. So a lot of that, again, is at the barbecue. But. Right. uh, The two kills that I hone in on are the two men, right? Right. Because obviously. This movie is referred to it by the fans, and I don't think derogatorily, right, is the homo nightmare, which yeah. is this movie talks a lot about uh, Jesse and Mark Patton as, you know, there's this huge subtext of his journey as a young gay man, right? right. Freddie's kind of the, the closeted gayness which he's is, trying to hide. Which is pretty obvious. Like, str- I, I don't really think it's a it's subtext. It's all there. The writer admitted that he wrote it in, and it was supposed to be very subtextual. The director played ignorant. It's so funny if you watch that Never Sleep Again Dag movie. He's like, well, I didn't get it. That's not what I was doing. It's like, well, that is insane yeah. uh, sh- blind, eyes wide shut kind of stuff, right? <laughs> like, you did not see this. Right. But the two kills he makes that are so strange are the gym teacher and uh, the guy that he seemingly has kind of a, an infatuation with, right? Right. Well, it starts as his bully being... turned friend. Yeah. His bully, like the bully turned friend who's supposed to like watch him sleep, you know? Uh, Again, like it's just such a fascinating <laughs> when you start looking at it from that, yeah, like the very not subtextual homoeroticism standpoint. It's right. It's a movie about. I, I would say it's not even a movie about coming out. It's about like grappling with yourself. Like there's a lot of that. Like there's yeah. a lot of this like weird self inflicted wound. A lot of self hatred in the story and the characters in general. Like. And I mean, you can even find that in like Clue Gulliger and Hope Lang uh, as um, his parents, you know, like they're very dismissive of him. They're really shitty with him. Like I, they like again, like blaming him for the heat in the house. It's a whole thing, you know, like there's <laughs> well, a that's part of the thing, right? Is is he because that's one of the things you will get online sometimes is why would they depict gayness as an evil murderer? And it's like, that's how he sees himself being gay. Like, there was a time, I think we're more accepting now, there was a time when you would have been terrified to come out in this town. Well, look, I I mean... So he does view it as this ugly part of himself. I mean, imagine having... Look, I I grew up in a Springwood, Ohio. You know, like, like, and so did you. Like, we grew up in these areas where it's like, Yeah. yeah, telling people you're gay is a terrifying experience. Like... In the Midwest, it's not like totally. It was like I still live in the Midwest, and not everyone's on board. Right, man. exactly. Twenty nineteen. It's a fa- <laughs> it's a it's a terrifying experience. So, like the self inflicted wound aspect of Jesse's journey is very textual, not subtextual at all. Uh, yeah, but yeah, like I mean, there's all kinds of like there's all kinds. I mean, there's of, obviously yeah, the dancing and cleaning the room, the constantly waking up in the midst of wet dreams. Yeah, he wakes up. He sweats more in a dream than anyone I've ever seen in a movie. It's shocking. Uh, yeah, but, it's a but, lot. This movie has a lot of temperature. Yeah, themes. but there's another thing too that I think is really interesting, and I didn't. Uh, it's funny. I didn't. Ever, uh, I never picked up on it before. But the opening of this movie, when they're on the bus, you see Jesse, and he looks like he looks like a Columbine kid. Like he's a little dweeby. His yeah. hair's matted down. But then, like he wakes up. He's a up. little into Depeche Mode. Yeah, for sure. But then he wakes up, and you see him, and his like hair's tufted in that very '80s way. He's wearing colorful clothes, like. 
his yeah. internal internal reflection of himself is very poor, very sad. So like it's right. interesting to see him go through daily oh, yeah. life. It's very fat like fascinating. Th- that is like probably the most subtextual metaphor in the movie. The rest of it's pretty on point. Uh right. The fear and smallness of what you're afraid people view you as in high school. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's a lot of that going yeah. on. But then, like, yeah. And then, obviously, the gym teacher is, uh, you know, whipped bare ass and then murdered, which is pretty funny. I mean, the gym teacher in this movie, like, what a journey this guy has. Because <laughs> well, this is the thing. Because as Jesse begins to progress, right, he has a nightmare of seeing a lightning bolt in his kitchen. Right. Right. It hits the dish drying rack. His response to this is to walk with his shirt unbuttoned into the local gay bar, which people know is the local gay bar. Right. He walks in soaking wet with his shirt open. His teacher finds him. Immediately, his response is to take him to school and punish him by making him run laps, still wearing his Judas Priest get up. Right. Right. Goes to his office. And in what is maybe the most fucked up scene in the movie that I wanted answers for, gets out the fucking jump ropes. You're like, what the fuck is his plan for this? Uh, yeah, then we cut to Jesse in the shower in this kind of very sensual, vulnerable moment. The teacher gets dragged in as all the balls in his office begin exploding about, right? He's dragged in, tied to the showers, essentially murdered by whips to the ass. Yeah. And then Freddie emerges from the steam to slice him. I like that it's the steam, too. Yeah. Because, again, it's Jesse who's doing this. Right. But... That scene reeks of a closeted young kid and an adult taking advantage of him and him lashing out. Totally. There, there's a lot more going on in that scene than I think, you know, meets the eye as you're watching. Like, did sure. they just whip his ass? Like, a ghost whipped his ass? I mean, there's a lot of, like, again, like, you could chalk that up to, oh, that's kind of a funny sight gag. But, like, at the same time, because he's always oh, a gym teacher and that happens in gym class. But I'm like, right. if you dig any deeper in that, it gets so dark like the darkness creeping well, just, in that just scene imagine a gym teacher right a gay gym teacher in this town bringing that kid back to the school you know to punish him right that's a that's a lot to unpack right there that's a bad you know that's I mean? a fucked up that's a fucked up gym like not only is that a fucked up gym teacher there's just a fucked up person who and all honesty right. like and look i don't mean to put it i don't mean to be uh pro pedophilia but in a way freddy krueger kind of is the hero of this scene by prevent by preventing <laughs> coach say, schneider that was the most anticipation i've ever had for a second part of a sentence <laughs> when you started i don't mean to sound pro pedophile i was like i have to know where this goes right again i'm <laughs> and not by a, the way i don't think you sound pro pedophile <laughs> i'm not a fan of pretty i'm not a fan of freddy krueger's practices but he kind of ends up being the hero of this scene by preventing coach schneider from fucking with jesse any further like yeah i don't know <laughs> he's kind of an evil mary poppins thing yeah it is a I little evil. help it is a little evil mary Poppins. what's really funny about that scene though you can see freddie marching through the steam and he kind of has that robotic thing right yeah that was the actor they cast to replace robert england oh no shit really so before wow. part two robert england's like dude i think this thing is going to be a big deal part one was obviously a huge hit he wanted more money right they're like fuck him we'll just put someone else in the outfit they had no idea what they had on their hands right so they hired essentially an extra to do it right and they said his walk was just so stiff and robotic they're like we lost everything that we made freddie cool right because robert england always talks about you know his process like well i developed the 
the hand with the glove, that shoulder, I droop it, right? Like the weight of this murder weapon. Right. He has all these little things he's doing that you don't appreciate. Well, they started with him, and I think that's the only shot of him left in the movie. And they're just like, oh, man, this guy fucking blows. We got to get Robert back now (laughs) in the ultimate vindication. Because amongst horror movie villains, I think he's the only one in canon uh, nightmare movies, which would not include the reboot, that was never played by anyone else. No, totally. I mean, like, this is exactly like, yeah, I actually, it's funny. I, you brought that up and I was just, uh, I just, I, I forgot I had read about like, this was a cost cutting measure. It wasn't even like a personal thing against yeah. Robert England. It's like, I mean, like the first movie, I think the budget was like 1.8 million. This one was three. So like, they're like, how are we going to, how are we going to, you know, scrimp and save? But like, well, no, they, they just honestly thought they're like, Freddy's what sells. They didn't right. realize that ready without Robert England is right. Exactly. <laughs> like th- this is like the difference between him and Voorhees and Michael Myers is that this character is about the, this character is about the personality that comes with it. Like yeah. the boogeyman is different than the boogeyman's different than like the omnipresent, like a Michael Myers, like Michael Myers yeah. just shows up. He is Michael Myers is <laughs> Michael Myers is just huge and imposing. What's scary about Freddy is that he knows exactly what he's doing and he takes great pleasure in his work. Like, that's what I think is the important. Well, I think this movie, too, you kind of hit on it. What this movie does well that people do not give it credit for is one of the things that's scary about Freddy in this movie is imagining that there is a version of that man inside of all of us, right? Right. That in Jesse, he finds kind of a kindred soul that might be ready to explode or on the verge of being pushed too far. You know, by his plaid short wearing dad or whatever. <laughs> so the two scenes, obviously him standing over his sister is the one that really haunts me. The gym scene, I think there's a lot more going on subtextually that is horrifying, but not a great kill itself. No, Memorable more for the ass whipping, right? But the concept of him lashing out at a guy who's abusing him is really scary. The scene that sticks out to me is when he goes to Rod's room, right? Or what's what? not Rod, Grady. Grady's room, right? Right. Is that the guy's so name? So he goes to this... Yeah, so this guy who says he's grounded for throwing his grandmother down a flight of stairs, which is... Okay. Right. I'll just assume that's true. Weird. So he leaves the party where <laughs> this girl is confessing his love for him, right? And they're about to bone until perhaps he nods off. Because this movie has a lot of interplay, too, where Freddy seemingly is interacting with the real world when there's no dreaming. Yeah. Which lets you know that perhaps this is Jesse starting to slip and want to embrace more of this character, right? right? right. Uh, when he goes to Grady's room, though, is really fascinating and horrifying scene to me. As one, he has someone who's willing to watch him through the night and help him out, right? Who really wants to. Instead, he goes to the kid who bullied him and essentially starts, I need you, right? right? Like, kind of lays into this. And again, that dialogue is a lot of what people talk about when they talk about the subtext. Why he runs to this guy, why in that moment, um, but what I like is he just says, watch me sleep. There's a part of me in this moment that questions, does Jesse want that kid to be his victim? I mean, I think that that's like, it's preying on the, I feel like in this, if you're going to use the subtext of what's happening, I feel like this is Jesse praying. This is Freddie preying on Jesse's, um, Jesse's insecurities. Jesse, uh, I think Jesse goes to Grady because he's Jesse goes to Grady because he knows Grady. 
Grady's been obviously like bullying him and stuff like that. So Grady is keeping. But in the weird, watch. like I, I think they obviously are telling us that there is an infatuation there that they actually have the sparks, right? I mean, I guess Cause there's no way you go to Grady because he'll be responsible and stay awake and watch right. me. Right? I mean, like there's obviously so there is that, this, but I, I think ultimately there's this weird predatory nature. But he also confesses that he kills Schneider, right? I, and Grady doesn't fucking react and tear. Well, I mean, look, there's, again, there's a lot going on there. There's a huge subtext. I mean, right. you could obviously make the case that subtextually this is about, you know, Jesse and Grady coming together. And then, right. but that Jesse's, again, like, let's see, subtextually you could say Freddy erupting from Jesse and killing Grady would be this sort of like, your inability to control your emotions when you're alone with someone, when you actually feel like you're safe with somebody, I guess would be my dime store psychiatrist look at that kind of thing yeah well again i don't think the freddy as the inner closeted no that's not gay, something i would actually it, put that it doesn't in. no i think what the the movie does a good job of using that i don't think it works perfectly because again it feels like something they discovered and steered more towards right again, i don't think the movie's trying to say that you know homosexuality is this you know murderous sin no like Freddy's no here to punish. I, I think what what i think it is though is because him actually murdering Grady is a really interesting moment in the movie when so he knows if he falls asleep, Freddy could come again. And again, this is a werewolf movie. So they have this amazing metamorphosis, which is just the best. When the glove starts coming out of the hand, the skin rips apart. Yeah. An image I'll never forget till the day I die is when Jesse's mouth is wide open and that see like, his scream eye. and the fucking eyeball is in so there. cool. Holy fuck. I saw that as a kid and it just like made my fucking head explosive. Oh! Yeah, yeah. And then Freddie cutting himself from the own body and emerging mm -hmm. is just fucking also. You're like, where was that hat inside the body? <laughs> he reaches back like, where were you storing that hat? But uh, it's just fucking amazing. Again, I was like, this is like one of the best werewolf transformations of all time, yeah. right? We just don't think of it as that. So it's this inner beast coming out, which I think gets to you. It's this overwhelming carnal nature, sure. this and that. But then him getting killed, I think the metaphor kind of dies off yeah. there. I mean, again, like, um, that, but just could imagine be this, though. This is the other part of the scene is so he stabs Grady into the door. We cut back to uh, Jesse now wearing the glove covered in blood. You killed him. He's obviously super distraught and upset. Right. Freddie in the mirror mocking him, waving his finger like, oh, no, 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 you don't get to be happy. Right. You don't get to unleash this, you know, desire. I think that's more right. what it is, a punishment well, and then, like, for forbidden desire. Right. And I mean, again, like I, this is where I can understand people's sort of dislike of this uh, movie in this series. Like, I like all that stuff. Everything with Jesse, like dealing with the, his inner demons of like, I mean, just in general, like. I wouldn't even call it homoeroticism in general. Like I would say much, this movie is much more about dealing with your inner carnal nature, like your inability to maintain, like, you know, when you're a teenager, you can't fucking help your libido. It is what it is. Like fucking just you're when you're a teenage boy in high school, you're a fucking boner factory. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's just part of your life. Well, also imagine if what is your turn on is considered bad. Right, exactly. And then you're afraid of like actual trouble or being preyed upon by a teacher. Right. That's what I mean. I think a lot of people use the the gay imagery of this movie to somehow denigrate what it is. Right. But I think it adds a lot to the movie. It does. Way, it adds you know? an extra layer. Because what it does too is it, it adds on this concept of 
parents and adults not being trustworthy as protectors. Right, totally. Because he has this other secret that is more scary. Right, and that's like you the know, prevailing scene. There's even this scene. scene where, like, imagine this scene, right? Not only the scene when he's with Rod, you're like, Jesse's definitely, he's fucked. Like, he's going to jail forever. Right, right? Oh, totally. But the scene that is so interesting is after Schneider's found dead, they just find him wandering naked on a freeway in the rain, drop him off at home and kind of give the, hey, put a short leash on you that take one. care of this? Yeah, like that kind they of thing. They know, but they don't want to even say it out loud because it's an undesirable right. quality, right? I mean. And then his dad immediately is like, oh, it has to be drugs. Right. <laughs> so even the adults become someone right. that he's leery of because of his, you know, repressed right. secret. And I would say like this sort of, this to me is where, like, this is where we break off and like, this is where like, the third act kind of begins. And I would say this is almost sort of the end of what I think makes the movie so interesting because once you get into the pool party stuff and once we get into sort of all this area in general, like that to me is where we just sort of get into like, well, it's a horror movie. So let's just make things bloody and weird. Right. And like, that's kind of where, and that's where Lisa (laughs) comes back in. And again, like Lisa's to me, Lisa to me is not like a super strong, female protagonist which i know that that was like a big part of in the development of this movie like Wes craven was like you gotta have lisa be a bigger deal like to me like jesse's journey is so fascinating and so interesting it kind of gets muddied when we're thrown in with like lisa i mean really the sub like the subtitle of this movie shouldn't be freddie's revenge it should be like nightmare nightmare on elm street 2 like the power of love because that's really how this <laughs> that's essentially how there this is this constant like just because you want to hook up with another high school kid you should not just accept them saying you're like he walks in after a murder yeah and she's just like sit down let's talk it's like no run away if you even think he might have murdered run the fuck away yeah uh what i think that the pool stuff is why this movie's maligned sure Totally. It is interesting in the fact of like the heat going up all the hormone like there's a lot of that right well it's hot in here yeah. woo woo well, because that's what I mean. Like, I feel like when they just add the generic horror movie scene, it doesn't work a lot in this movie, right? No. The pool stuff is not interesting because it's just Freddy in the real world. Help yourself, fucker. Yeah. And just slashing a guy. Like, there's not a lot of, you know, it's a Hitchcock. There's not fear in the explosion, the anticipation, right? There's no toying with. It's right. just kind of, I'm just out here hacking and exactly. slashing dipshits. Like, the, uh, the bird... Like the bird the just doesn't just, work. The bird well. exploding. Like there's just stuff. Although in I this. do love the bird when the hardcore dad is confronted with, wow, I couldn't defeat a bird. Yeah. And then he tries to be like macho dad the rest of the like again. <laughs> What'd you do? Did you put a firecracker in her boy? Yeah. Like the end of this movie is just so like, again, I understand the malignment of the end of this movie because the end really takes away from the psychological aspects of what makes Freddy so great. Right. But Look, you still get some fun stuff. Like, I'll never forget those cats with the with the Freddy faces. Like, that's dude, the human face. Sorry, dog. the dogs. Oh, they're they're dogs. dogs. The dogs. Sorry. And the were rat. I love that foundry scene. Yeah. Right? That, Again, that's that's so cool. I think we get lost in the wait. Freddy with Jesse inside was defeated by a kiss from a girl. <laughs> Not the strongest. Like maybe a little too. When subtext becomes text, right? Yeah, yeah. Like we get it. But um. I thought that had great imagery. Again, I think if you take the pool party stuff out, the parakeet out, when you look at this movie as, again, it's a werewolf movie through the lens of a really troubled teen who sees himself as this small, defenseless character who needs help, right? Can't fully be the person he wants to be. 
And if he does unveil that, he could be facing real consequences. And you run that parallel to this Nightmare on Elm Street story that we see, right? It's the same thing in werewolf movies. You wake up the next day, what have I done? Right. What have I done? No, that's not you. That's not you. Well, yes, it is. It is me, right? right. And that's what this is, is him repressing, no, it's not me. Well, it is. So there's a lot. I think if you keep it in this psychological, you know, kind of horror where Jesse's repression and fear of the world uh, that as he faces it leads him down this path where he can be co-opted by this fucking dream demon trying to murder in our world. I think that those chunks of the movie are fascinating and really well done. Yeah, absolutely. Again, him standing over his sister's bed is one of the more scary scenes in the entire series to me. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like there's. That's what I think is what makes this movie great. It's what's why I think it's unfairly maligned. And I get the ending is not so awesome, but like everything else sure. overhead of this movie is so fascinating and so well done. Again, it does everything that a sequel needs to do short of make a better ending than the first one. But like regardless, right. the overall the overall concept of Freddy's Revenge is sound. Like you're changing yeah. you're changing the rules in a sequel. You're progressing your story forward you're making your bad guy the main character of your story yeah. that's it's valuable well, yes what and again if there is one critique of all the nightmare on elm street movies it's that they usually don't end very well right right so i think four and five end really cool with these big psychic battles but a lot of them are just the real world she turns his back on him oh look in a mirror right there's not always great endings to these movies but what it does well and again, I think the other element of, you know, kind of using the werewolf bones is inside of as vile as Freddy Krueger is right in this dream demon, whatever he is. What if we're not giving him power in the way we think? Right. What if through this kind of archetype of our darkest fantasies, he is working in tandem with us rather than he takes from us and then does bad? Right. What if we play too close with our darkest fantasies and how that manifests in the world? And again, I think you pair that with some of the more interesting elements of Jesse as a kid on the edge. I think that part of the movie is strong. I get it. The pool party sucks. It is funny when the parents wake up totally sex greasy. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I like when the lights go off and the kids are like, the parents are fucking. We're fucking. Right. That's great. That stuff. Not that's, great, but it's fun. That's fun. It's fun. 80s stuff. But the, the big chunks of this movie, I think Jesse, and it's really sad because apparently they're coming out of the documentary called Sque Scream Queen, I believe, where Mark Patton talks about how this went from being his big break to kind of ruining his life and career for a long time. So sad. Uh, because a lot of the gay overtones, I would say, in this movie, not subtext overtones. Right. Uh, but, you know, to me, I look back on this one really fondly. I think it has some of the more interesting uh, kind of thought experiments in the series. I like that it veers a different way. I like the idea of, again, playing with, like, Freddy is not just something attacking us, but maybe being lured to be a little Freddy ourselves. I think that's a really fun, and again, you got eight other movies that do the, I'll stab you in a dream. Yeah. Why not try something, try something a little fresh. different? You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> that's it, guys, for Nightmare on Elm Street 2. We hope that you wake up all hot and bothered after listening to this pod. <sighs> Super sweaty and wet. Yeah. Ooh, is it hot here? I got the vipers. <laughs> Me and Jesse have the vipers. Uh, guys, we will continue with Dream Warriors, perhaps the pinnacle of nightmare. 
Uh, all the Nightmare movies this month, all the Friday the 13th movies, culminating in our battle between Freddy versus Jason. Also, some good stuff in the theaters. If you guys like the show and we appreciate you for listening, please take a second to leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially iTunes. Share us on your socials so we can bring more alchemists into this fun journey. Please. Uh, and that's it, guys. We'll be back with more horror madness uh, for the film Alchemist. I'm Josh. Green. I'm Alex Dandino. <laughs>